Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the A to Z podcast. My name is Dustin, and I work with Dean Zierfoss to produce A to Z. Before this episode starts, I just want to mention that the series started on YouTube, and as such, some parts, mostly the housekeeping at the end of each episode, won't really make sense in the podcast format. So when you hear Dean Z say that you can leave your questions in the comments below, that's because originally this was a YouTube video. If you do have questions, we'd still love to hear them. Just email Dean Z at law.jd.admissions at umich.edu and put A to Z podcast in the subject line. Other than that, most of the video content translates really well to a podcast. So thanks for joining us on this new format. We hope you enjoy it. If you'd like, you can still watch the original A to Z videos on YouTube by going to law.umich.edu slash A to Z vlog. You can also visit the A to Z blog, which has additional written content and more information about Michigan law. That website is experience.law.umich.edu slash A to Z. And finally, if you enjoy the podcast and find it helpful, please let us know by subscribing and leaving a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening. And now, without further ado, is the A to Z podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Dean Z speaking to you from my basement. Today, I want to talk about medians. Everyone knows the LSAT and the undergraduate GPA, or UGPA, as those of us in the biz sometimes call it, are important to the law school admissions process. Why and to what extent? Let's dive in. The undergraduate GPA, the first answer to the question, why, is substantive. The undergraduate GPA does a bit of work in predicting your grades in your first year of law school, your 1L grades. The LSAT does a bit more, and together they do still a bit more. But they're not perfect, uh, and the amount to which they predict your first year grades will vary among schools. So the correlation um, at can range between between you know between these measurements and your 1L grades can range between about um, one quarter to about two thirds, with the average correlation being about 50%. Michigan is at about 50%. So that very briefly is the substance of why we look at those two scores. But part of the why answer for using those scores is unrelated to the substance of predicting 1L performance. Specifically, law schools report the average LSAT and UGPA for their entering classes to the APA. And then various organizations take those numbers and put them into formulae to rank law schools. So in other words, generally speaking, a school's average LSAT and UGPA is a not inconsiderable part of its ranking and thereby how a part of how the world as a whole views the quality of that law school. Remember, I am telling you what is, not what ought to be. Anyway, one problem with this system is that applicants tend to look at an, a school's average LSAT and UGPA and say that is a say to themselves that is a floor for getting in. Um, psychologically, you see those numbers and you think if I don't have those numbers, I don't have much of a shot. I am very happy to tell you that is completely the wrong way to think about those numbers. Here's what's really important to know about that ranking information, and it is good news for applicants. There are different ways 
to calculate an average. One is a median and one is a mean. There are other ways too, but those are the two major ways. Law schools use medians for calculating their averages, not means. You didn't think you'd be getting a math lesson here maybe today, but bonus. Uh, anyway, to find a median, you take a row of numbers, the entire set of numbers in your set, and you list them from lowest to highest. And then the one in the middle, the midpoint, that is the median. Uh, for means, you add all those numbers up, divide by the number of data pieces of data in your set, and that is your mean. Um, and th there's very, the very good news for applicants in the fact that we use medians and not means is that um, when you're using a median, the range of numbers in a set can vary a lot without changing the median, and that is not the case for means. So let me illustrate. Hey everyone, it's Dustin again. I just wanted to interject here and say that we use a visual on YouTube that illustrates this next point. It's a pretty simple lesson on mean versus median, but if you'd like to see the video, I'll leave a link in the episode notes. Thanks. Here are two columns of identical numbers. For one column, we'll find the median or midpoint. It's a 162. For the other, we'll find the mean. We'll add all these up, divide by the total number in the set, and voila, we have a mean. It's a bit higher than a 162, but with rounding, it's a 162. So identical groups of numbers, identical mean and median. But now let's change some of the numbers at the lower end. Doing that changes the median, not at all. See, we still have a 162. But it changes the mean by more than two and a half points. So that now with rounding, you have a mean of 160 instead of a 162. To bring your mean back up to 162, you would need to increase the numbers at the high end, like this. And that's hard if those numbers are LSAT scores. Candidates with scores of 169 and above make up about 3% of the entire population of LSAT test takers. So there aren't many of them in the world. So that means that if we used means to measure a law school's average LSAT in UGPA, then you really would be creating a very strong incentive for law schools to not admit people much below their average. Um, because for every point you go below the average, you have to enroll someone with a score that is many points above the average in order for everything to equal out. But in a universe where we use medians rather than means, the only thing holding me back from admitting an LSAT 10 points below my median or, or more instead of one point below is my judgment about whether I think that person can do the work at my law school. And since, as we have already discussed, LSAT scores are decent but not perfect predictors of someone's ability to do the work, admissions officers should not be too fixated on one particular score like the average. If the officers are doing that, they're doing their job wrong. And if we used means to measure, that would be a system that would push us all to do our jobs wrong. So if I'm looking at an applicant and I judge from the full set of application materials that this person can do the work and is someone I'd love to have in the class, I can admit them. And it doesn't matter if their LSAT is one point below my median or 10 points or 15 points. If you're below the median, I don't need to worry about how far below you are if I think you can do the work. So now I've been concentrating on LSAT scores alone in this discussion, but the same principle applies for UGPAs. From an admission officer's point of view, it doesn't matter if you have a 3.0 or a 3.7. If you're below the median, the question I ask is just, can you do the work and do I want to admit you? 
So that's the good news for people with below median scores. But there's also, well, not bad news, but a cautionary note about how these two numbers work together for an admissions officer who's thinking about trying to attain certain medians for an incoming class. Basically, we admissions officers have to be mindful of how many people we are admitting who are below the medians on both metrics. If you're an LSAT splitter, where you have a high LSAT, but a lower GPA or a GPA splitter, the opposite, um, you, one of your metrics is going to be helping the admissions office attain its goals. If you're above on both, obviously both of your metrics are helping. If you're below on both, neither metric is helping. So you have to be aware that most admissions offices are gonna have some kind of limit on how many people they're going to be able to admit that uh, when their both scores are below. It's not zero though. And I think most people think it's zero and it doesn't matter again, how far below they are. That's not what the limitation is. Some schools are gonna have really rigid limitations. Some are gonna be loosey goosey. Some are gonna be somewhere in the middle. I'd say Michigan is somewhere in the middle. We typically have between 10 and 15% of an entering class where both metrics are below the medians. That's the same basic percentage as people who are above the medians on both metrics. So you have a pretty good shot. Um, I think that is a, a reason to be optimistic. So wrapping this all together, if you're LSAT and GPA, are below your dream school's metrics, even well below. This should not make you give up confidence. You need to work on every other part of your application to make sure it's clear that you can do the work there and you need to show all the reasons why a school would want to admit you. But your LSAT and GPA alone are not gonna be the things that necessarily hold you back. Cautious optimism, I guess, should be your watchword. All right, that is all. I have on that topic. And now I want to talk about words for a second. One word has been on my mind a lot, given the COVID situation we are in at the moment. And that is the word preventative. I hate it. I think the only word you should be using is preventive. Now, if you look it up, the dictionary will say they are substitutes for each other. But I, I have this distinct memory of being like around 10 or 11. And all of a sudden, this word preventative started getting used. And, it, and if you look, Merriam-Webster has a little chart of like the frequency with which a word has been used over time. And like from 1800 through like 1970, nobody was saying it. And then some late people started saying preventative. So I was six at the time and obviously extremely aware of language because I kind of remember this becoming a thing. Um, Anyway, so what's the difference between preventive and preventative? Nothing, just an extra unnecessary syllable. So let's use fewer syllables when fewer syllables is all that's required. And uh, yeah, preventive is the way to go. All right, that's all I got. I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions. Please put any questions you have in the comments below or send us an email to law.jd.admissions at umich.edu and put vlog in the subject line. If you found this helpful, you might want to also check out my admissions blog. There's a link below to that too. Finally, many thanks to Dustin Johnston for always answering my questions. Wherever you go, go blue.